This week's episode is sponsored by Zamilio, game designer of Rune. Rune is a strategic card game for two players with tile placement and area control mechanics. During the game, you'll try to summon Zamilio by collecting mana from rune stones with your rune masters. The player who collects more mana will complete the ritual and win the game. You can learn how to play Rune in two minutes and play it in five. So be sure to check out Rune on Kickstarter right now. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about control. Not self-control, area control. We're talking to Stephen Aramini, the designer of Animal Kingdoms, the winner of the 2018 Cardboard Edison Award. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, glad for you to be here. Your, your game's coming up on Kickstarter, Animal Kingdoms. It looks amazing. Some of the just most beautiful artwork I've seen in a card game. And so I'm super excited for you. And, and it got picked up. Was it inner? Was it Galactic Raptor? Is that the is that right? Galactic Raptor. Yeah, they're the publisher. So um, yeah, it's uh, Kickstarter is just around the corner. Um, so Kickstarts on January 8th. So who knows? By the time people are listening to this, it may it may already be live. No, that's the plan. Uh, if you're if you're hearing this right now, it's on Kickstarter, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Kickstarter in just a little bit. But before we get into all this good stuff about area control, who are you? How'd you get into game design? All that good stuff. Uh, so I got into game design in 2013, and that was actually when I got into board games in general. Prior to then, I had not been into board games at all. So so I was kind of late to late to the party. Um, but I decided to um, go to a meetup and just kind of see what 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 the board game community was about. And uh, pretty much instantly, once I started getting introduced to all the games that were out there, just got hooked immediately. And um, uh, as soon as I got into board playing board games, I got into game design. And the first game I um, uh, designed was a game called Yardmaster. And that uh, in 2014, I actually entered that in a contest called the Ion Award, which is uh, part of a convention near near where I live uh, in Salt Lake City. Uh, I live in Reno, like, you know, that's only like eight hours away. So I ended up going to there and it ended up winning, um, winning that contest and then getting picked up by a publisher. Um, so I was very fortunate to just kind of dive into game design and, uh, I just immediately got hooked. Yeah. Very cool. And also helps that you win awards, right? That kind of helps with the motivation to keep doing stuff, right? Absolutely. Um, it's in all sincerity, the, the winning the awards has, has been what's gotten my foot in the door in the game industry. So, um, because I, I know, you know, just talking with friends and, you know, people that I know in the game industry you know there's so many great game ideas but just trying to break into that game industry is so hard and so i've luckily like through the cardboard edison award and um and through the ion award you know that that was able to get my game in front of publishers and uh so as a result you know they were able to see it they were able to play it and you know so i've had good success with that 
Yeah, for sure. And it just gives you so much credibility that it's so hard It's so hard to build that up right now. There's so much noise. There's so many games coming out. There's so many Kickstarters. It's hard for publishers even to know where to begin as far as you know what games to look at and who to talk to as far as designers and what they're working on. And so even if you don't win one of these contests, just you know, getting into the finals, just getting into some of the later stages where you have more game designers, more game publishers seeing your stuff. Or in both of our cases, the Cardboard Edison Award, you know, being finalists, I've had I had several publishers contact me about uh, my games and say, hey, you know, uh, we'd love to take a look at it. We'd love to check it out. Can you send me a sell sheet? That kind of thing. And all they did was they saw that my game was a finalist. I didn't win. And, and in a lot of games that didn't win, that probably had the same kind of thing. And so I think contests are one of the best way best ways for a, a new designer to get into the industry. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If nothing else, it's just, it gives you a deadline and it gives you a yeah. goal and you know, whatever happens with the game or the results at, at the end of the process, you have a game that you've, you know, been able to develop and move down the tracks. So, so absolutely. Yeah. It's been, it's been nothing but great experiences for me related to that. Yeah, for sure. I, I call it the mother-in-law. You know, it's amazing how clean your house gets when you know your mother-in-law is coming over for dinner that night. And so these yeah. contests provide the same thing. It's it's amazing how quickly your rule book comes together or your prototype gets finished, you know, when you know the mother-in-law is coming. And so, uh, yeah, highly recommend that. But that is neither here nor there as far as the topic this evening. Tonight, well, today, however, you know, whenever you listen to this, we are talking about area control. But before we get into it, Stephen, what do you think is a good working definition of what that even means? Uh, I think it's pretty literal that as mechanics <laughs> go or uh, area control. I mean, pretty much games um, are there. There's usually a physical area or a physical location or territory that uh, makes up the, the board or the play area and players are, are trying to gain a majority of either the entire area or sections of the area in order to, um, either gain influence or victory points or whatever the win condition is, but essentially it's you're 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 trying to take over as much of an area uh, as you can uh, to usually meet the win condition. Yeah, for sure. A lot of these games, you know, I was doing some research, just kind of looking at the most popular area control games of all time. Most of them have a world map of some sort, right? Whether it's like an actual literal, you know, this is what Spain looks like, or this is what the world looks like, or just kind of a fantasy. We've, you know, the game designers made up this world that's kind of balanced that has, you know, a certain number of countries or a certain number of sections, or whatever, but you're trying to influence the map in some way to, to score victory points. Now it seems like most of these games are card driven and I'm, you know, I'm curious to ask you about some of these kind of, I don't want to say stereotypes, but just kind of the, the normal or consistent things I keep seeing in these types of games. Uh, but one of them I want to ask you about so often these kinds of games are like dudes on a map games where you have these, you know, miniatures or you have little uh, tokens or little, uh, you know, pieces of plastic that represent your your dudes and you're trying to control different areas. But let's let's get a good like, what's the difference? What's the difference between area control and just dudes on a map? Well, that's a that's a tricky one because a lot of dudes on a map ones are actually area control uh, right. as well. Um, but I think that uh, area control isn't necessarily um, required to be dudes on a map. Um, so for like in the instance of animal kingdoms, it's, it's more of a car driven based area control. So that one is more, um, run by hand management. And, and so in that instance, you're, you're playing cards to particular kingdoms and that's how you're gaining the influence in those kingdoms, as opposed to you're moving your troops over the border type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think that a lot of dudes on a map could, could almost skirt into just a military or a warfare game. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, the net for area control seems to be a little bit wider when you start talking about games like, I don't know, like even like a game like King of Tokyo, where you're essentially, you know, it's a very light game, but you, you, a big part of that game is, is you're, you're trying to control uh, uh, Tokyo to, to uh, score those victory points. Um, and so, so I, I, I guess I'd say it's, it's uh it's more about the area and less about the the dudes on a map <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting because i was thinking i'm thinking about king of tokyo you you have one area you know it's only tokyo or i guess tokyo bay if you have a bigger player count so there's just that one area in that game and i was also thinking about a game like risk well risk is a is a war game but it's also got some area control elements to it because you know the more territories you control the more uh, reinforcements you're able to get you know between turns and things like that but i don't know i think I want to say an area control game, like if like, like a game can have area control elements like risk, but for it to be an area control game, I feel like victory needs to be directly uh, corresponding to controlling areas. Does that make sense? Whereas risk, it's really, it's, it's last man standing. It's, it's, it's really a war game. Whoever, you know, whichever army takes over the world, they win. Area control is just kind of a little facet of that. Is that, is that a fair understanding of it? Or like, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, actually a good good way to sort of distinguish the two. Gotcha. So area works, control works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so area control game, an area control game is a game in which area control is the central victory mechanism. I feel like is maybe the the kind of concise way to consolidate all this stuff down because there's a lot of games that have area control aspects to them. But if it's going to be like that is the main genre, then that needs to directly lead to your victory in the end. And so let's talk about why these games are popular. Like, why did you want to design one of these things? Are, are you, are you a big fan of the genre or did you just have this like random idea or what happened? Um, yeah, well, I mean, one of the earliest games I played, um, that really, you know, helped grab me and, and make me love board games was small world. And, yeah. um, so that one just, you know, I, I just thought it was a really fun idea of, you know, the, literally this world that's too small for every everyone to fit in so you have to uh you know jockey for position and uh, uh use your your race powers and uh the abilities to the best of your ability and and i just thought small world was was one that really influenced me so i i was a big fan of that um and then you know I, I, honestly like a lot of the um lighter area control games I seem to like, you know, like small world is a pretty, pretty light one. Um, and, um, some of the newer games that I like, like, uh, I really like world's fair, which I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've played that one. Um, but that's like kind of a lighter, lighter version. I think a lot of modern games, which I like these games too, but I think a lot of people equate area control now with like really heavy kind of games, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like your scythe or, or, um, like cry havoc and stuff. And I've played those and those are, those are great games as well. Um, but for me personally, I, I kind of like, um, I kind of like the lighter, shorter games in general. Yeah. It's amazing how versatile 
this mechanism is because I mean you, you talk about like super heavy war games or or like even a lot of euro games have some area control elements where you're contra- trying to control different parts of the board all the way down to like a 10 minute roll in right you know there's so many roll in rights coming out now that have area control elements as well and so like it's the full spectrum of complexity from super heavy all the way to super light that area control can be utilized which is a it's just a super uh, versatile type of of game element which is it's just amazing but let's let's talk through and maybe that's one of the reasons why people are drawn to these style style games. Like, why do you why do you think so many people like just love these kinds of games, all the way from heavy gamers to you know casual, just getting into the hobby folks? I I really do think Risk has a big part of it because yeah. like I remember that game when I was a little kid, which was you know kind of has an element of that area control. But um, I mean, just going back to when I was a kid, you know, I. I love to set up and play army, you know? Yeah. And, and it was just, you know, that was the, the cool part was just trying to, to, you know, set that up. So I don't know if that uh, carries over into my uh, adulthood. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I just think, um, I think it's really fun to, to try and feel like you're outsmarting your opponents and, you know, getting to, getting to those prized lands first. And I feel like there's so many, creative things that are being done now with uh, area control like it's not like a game is not just about going in and kicking the other guy out i mean there there are a lot of really creative things that are being rolled in to, uh, with that, those mechanics um you know i mentioned like cry havoc earlier and and i think that one's got like a really interesting uh, i don't know if have you played cry havoc i haven't played it but i, I know which i've seen some playthrough videos and whatnot <laughs> But yeah, it's got like a really interesting um, sort of conflict um, aspect to it. Yeah, where, you get the three different layers, right? Yeah, so that so they so, so you've got your physical map with um, your different factions and stuff on them, but those are actually being uh, resolved um, on a separate board where you actually get to essentially. Um, try to try to gain influence in one of three categories. So there's like region control or you can capture a prisoner or you can just outright, you know, kill guys. So, um, and there's a hierarchy to that. So uh, when you're, when you're placing things, you're, it's, it's really sort of a chess match off to the side that affects the, the greater map. Um, and so that's a, to me, like one example of how, you know, designers are taking the, the, the sort of, standard area control and they're they're throwing some really neat twists into it um to to just kind of make it a really interesting game experience yeah for sure i think rising sun does a very similar thing as well where you have kind of the and maybe this is one of the really cool things about area control it provides such an amazing foundation for the game to be built on that then you can have these really cool battle you know resolution mechanisms going on you can have these other systems in the game because area control is like you're saying i mean it's risk risk is like as easy as it gets to understand hey you've got these people on these countries take over the people in those countries. Oh, okay, cool. Like risk takes 10 minutes to explain if we're really being honest. And so you can build a game on that very easy to understand foundation and you can add a lot of stuff to it. I think that's what a lot of uh, mechanisms or game mechanisms struggle with like deck building for somebody who's never done it before. Like deck building is enough by itself. It's really difficult to add a bunch of other stuff to it and still have it, you know, be a, a very approachable game. Whereas area control, it's, it's such a, easy thing to comprehend. Hey, you have these areas, but you want those areas too to get more points. Oh, okay, cool. Like it's so easy to, to grasp that you can add these really uh, interesting complex systems on top of it. Have you, have you kind of found that to be the case as well? 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like, I think you, um, a lot of games are go beyond just being war games, you know, where it's yeah. just, I'm kicking this guy out. And, you know, a lot of them are, are based on how you can utilize the benefits of the land. Um, so you might be gaining resources from that land, or you might be gaining some other abilities from that land. So, um, so yeah, it's really, it's really cool that it's, it, it does create this nice foundation of people. Everyone knows, you know, what area control, um, at its heart is, you know, you're trying to get majorities, you're trying to, to, to take over, but then when you layer on these other mechanics and stuff, then it, it really, um, starts to create you know, some really interesting, uh, game concepts. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what are some of your other favorite examples of area control games? Um, so like another, it's a newer one, but I really like Ethnos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've played that one, but that one again is it's, um, it's area control, um, or area influence, I guess you could say, but, um, but really the heart of the game is again is card driven and you have these different races and each race has a has a unique power to it um, that helps you sort of bend the rules and the cool thing about that one is is you aren't really you aren't kicking people out of areas you're you're just trying to basically play your cards more in a in a better way <laughs> be more clever with your play so that you can um, have just more of those influence, um, discs on each area to, to score the most points. So it feels to me like uh, a lot less mean spirited than, you know, some of the area control ones where it's just like, I'm, I've got a stronger army, so I'm going to destroy you. Um, so that one is a, is one that I've been playing and, and really enjoying. Yeah, that's a great one. I love the push your luck element to that one. You know, we're talking about how you can add other things to area control. Well, that game that game has an amazing push your luck element where you're trying to figure out, all right, do I keep these cards? Do I do I lay these cards down now and have to discard? Like it's such a cool, tense thing, and you don't know when the round is going to end. And yeah, that's that's a great one. Another couple that I wrote down, Ennis is a great one uh, as well. And if you've played that one, and then Shogun and El Grande, a couple old school area control games. Have you played either of those? Uh, I've played El Grande and yeah, that one's just, that one really is just kind of a classic, you know, you, you are going to, uh, try and, you know, take your cubes and, uh, overwhelm my cubes in this area. But the, the cool thing about El Grande is, um, that you've, again, you've got these, this other layer that you have to factor in, which is, um, really that, uh, you have these cards that allow you to play a different number of guys and you know early in the game you might play this one card that lets you throw five dudes out but then you've you've spent that card you you can't spend it again um and also it has to do with um i i haven't played for a while but i know based on which card you play that determines your turn order so there are a lot of interesting factors of if you really want to go in and and have more guys to go you know, spread out and, and dominate, there's going to be consequences to that, uh, because you're going to get, um, you know, not as uh, powerful of a card, or you might, uh, end up giving up a a powerful card early on and wishing you had it later on. So that one had some really interesting dynamics, which is, which is probably why it's so popular even today. 
Yeah, for sure. I would say anyone listening to this that's thinking about working on an air control game or you're working on one right now and you haven't played El Grande, you need to go play it like immediately or at least go watch some YouTube videos of like playthroughs of other people playing it because it is the quintessential area control game. And it's like the grandfather of them all. And it, like you're saying, it's amazing how well it's aged. Like you can play it now and it it holds up against all the games coming out in 2018, 2019. I mean, it's just amazing how how good that game still is. It doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel old. Like the mechanisms, people are still using those exact same kind of uh, mechanisms in games nowadays. And so it's amazing. I think it came out like, I don't know when it came out, like the nineties, like mid, mid to late nineties, I think. I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's been out for a pretty good little while. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's a classic as they say. All right. Let's go a little bit deeper into like the design theory of area control let's talk about interesting choices. Like I feel like in, in certain games, it's, it's just hard to make, you know, unique, uh, bring unique ideas to the table and create these interesting choices for players to have during the game. So what are some ways you've seen, or what are some things you've done in your own game uh, to create interesting choices for the players? Um, so, uh, you know, speaking to my own experience of designing animal kingdoms, um, to me, the interesting choices were come in, uh, a couple of ways. There are two decks of cards in the game. So uh, you have your animal cards, which uh, are in your hand. So everyone has a hand of four cards. And these are just basically a suit and a value. Um, and so they're valued one through eight. And there are eight different suits. So uh, around the board, there are five different uh, kingdoms. Uh, so essentially five different areas that players are trying to control. And each of those uh Kingdoms has a decree, which is essentially a placement rule. So it's a limitation with how you are going to be able to place your um, your cards. So uh, and and they're very simple rules. You know, they're almost like rummy style rules. Um, so one might be you can only play odd cards. Another might be you can only play uh, owls and um, lizards. Throwing out two of the animals. Another one, you might be uh, only able to play uh, a beast that matches uh, either of your neighboring kingdoms. So um, so you really have to examine the state of the board, which is always changing, uh, because based on what other players are playing, that's going to affect, um, affect what you're going to be able to do. But you do have some control with the, uh, your hand management. So... To me, some of the interesting choices are that there are these sort of short-term tactical goals that you're trying to accomplish to get majorities in that round. Um, but then there's another aspect where if you can claim um, the capital cities in these kingdoms, those actually allow you to graduate cubes into the next round. So then you have uh, an additional cube. So you have a little bit of an edge in influence going into the next round. So there are also some long-term strategic goals that you can try and plan for. Um, and I think that's, uh, for me, that was one, one thing that I wanted to uh, work into the game was having that sort of in the moment, oh gosh, where am I going to do? How am I going to um, get those um, kingdoms? But then also in the back of your mind, you're always kind of trying to think of your long-term strategy of how can you um, get future influence to get to the the bigger points, which come in the later rounds. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, how do you win your game? So uh, victory points, shockingly, is, is the way you win. And um, you earn victory points uh, by gaining 
having the most uh, in a kingdom at the end of each round, you will get um, uh, the first place token. So everyone that gets second will just get a flat three points and third will get a, a flat one point. So the first place points are going to be variable each game. So certain kingdoms are going to be more valuable in some games. Certain kingdoms are going to be more valuable in other games. And then there's a little bit of a pressure luck token called the first to withdraw. So each round, if you are the first to withdraw, then you get this mystery token um, which is a little bit, like I said, you, you, you kind of want, you want to get that, but you also don't want to get out of the round too early because when you're out, then that means you aren't able to, um, influence any of the kingdoms anymore. So, uh, but yep, straight up going, going for points. Yeah. Gotcha. Now I feel like in a lot of these games we've been talking about negotiation plays some type of role almost in the meta. Like for instance, uh, a couple of nights ago, I was playing small world with some friends and uh, there was a new, new player that, and she was just uh, visiting. And so, you know, we had never played, uh, she'd never played with our group before. And she was about to bring a, a faction in and destroy a lot of my uh, faction. And I looked at her and I was like, well, you know, you could get more points if you came on in on this other side of the board <laughs> and destroyed them. Like you would, that would actually be more beneficial for you. And it was like, I wasn't lying or anything, but I was, it was a negotiation, right? And that has, that's not in the rule book anywhere, right? But I feel like area control games had this really interesting meta negotiation kind of aspect to them. Maybe that's another reason why people like them is because you have the kind of extra layer of things that are beyond the mechanics. And so have you found that to be, you know, a, one of the reasons you like these games? And, and also does that play a role in Animal Kingdom? Um, yeah, I definitely love that aspect. It's, uh, I, I always love the, 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 the sort of hidden layers that come with games based on just the social interactions. Um, there's a little bit of that in, in animal kingdoms. Um, uh, of course, because it's, it's, uh, you know, the area control, what's great about it is it's, it's all open information. You can see who's, who's dominating. Yeah. And so as a result, um, it really makes it hard to, to be, you know, a runaway leader in, in area control games, especially when you're doing three or more players, um, because, yeah, there it, then the social aspects start just kind of becoming that sort of uh, meta equalizer, if you will. Um, so, so yeah, I, I definitely love that. And I think Small World is, is absolutely one of those ones where throughout the game you're just like, well, you know, you don't want to attack me. Clearly this person over here has... 14 guys on the on the map and and they're going to run away with it so um yeah that's i i've not played diplomacy but i've i've heard that that's an area control game but really it's a negotiation game yeah, yeah definitely it's a, it's a game to end friendships as well so be careful who you play with if you <laughs> maintain that relationship <laughs> all right well, let's move into design challenges what were some of the problems you ran into when working on this game um, well, there were a couple of challenges. So, um, you know, thematically, there there were some challenges, um, which I know we we were going to talk a little bit about later. But um, yeah, so I, I really struggled to 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 land on a theme. Um, it did all initially start with the idea of of creating an area control game, and I wanted to have there be a threshold where if you put so many um, uh, influence. If you added so much influence to an area, then it it would uh, s sort of close out that kingdom. So that was like a very early, early stage idea. Kind of like Smash Up. Um, it, it, exactly. In fact, I played Smash Up and I started designing Animal Kingdoms the next day. 
And that's a great game that we haven't even mentioned is just the amazing variability that goes into that game and how at its core, it's just putting numbers on a location, trying to control it. And that's, and then a million different ways to do that. So awesome. Yeah. And, and that was really the genesis of animal kingdoms. I, I wanted to do something that, that had that similar feeling of, you know, that satisfaction of, yeah, I just, I just got that kingdom. Um, but like with smash up, you have these, you know, variable powers and you smash them together with, with animal kingdoms. I wanted to create something that was a unique way to uh, approach area control. And that's where I came up with, um, all of the decrees that give these, these, you know, wildly different, um, placement rules, uh, that come out randomly. But deciding, we ended up with 30 degrees and that was a really, that was a most of the playtesting actually was deciding what would work, what wouldn't work and what was too limiting, what was not limiting enough. And then just, you know, when you have 30 cards and you randomly shuffle them and bring out five each round, um, that's a, I don't, I don't know the math on it, but it's like, you know. These, this endless variety of how how um, these decrees could come out. And I wanted it to be simple enough that you could just flip them and have it work. It wouldn't break the game no matter what combo came out, but it would also be compelling and challenging enough that it wasn't just, oh, I can place anywhere. So that was the biggest challenge was was balancing those and just playing that over and over again and tweaking those rules and eliminating certain rules and adding different ones and so that was that was a lot of work. Yeah. Now I'm excited to talk to you in the bonus round about the process of retheming a game and kind of the you know what you go through in doing that. But tell me about the themes that you had originally on this game. So the original theme on this was deep sea fishing. Okay. Um, so I, <laughs> I guess I was. That. I don't know. I thought you were going to say deep sea fishing was not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I wa- had watched a uh, what is that. Alaskan fishing one. Oh, I can't even remember the name of it. Well, I don't know. I'm thinking of River Monsters, man. Where that guy the goes most out. Most dangerous and, catch. Or oh, the deadliest catch. Oh. Yeah, it's about catching deadliest shrimp. Deadliest catch. Or not shrimp, crab. De- King crab out in the. Uh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of that. That was sort of like the, the original theme was oh, you're going out into the open sea and you're catching different types of okay. things. And so, um, so yeah, that was the original theme. Um, and uh, and for a short time, it was a very very weird abstract theme of you were an interstellar travel agent. Okay, don't ask me why. Because <laughs> you like Matthew McConaughey, man. I understand. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? You know what? Spur, uh, started that thing was I just I ran across these NASA posters right. and NASA came, uh, put together. There were these really cool retro posters um, of like fictional travel posters to go to the moon and go to Saturn and stuff. And they were just so cool looking. And I'm, you know, I'm obviously very um, drawn to, to cool art, you know? Uh, And so I just was like, Oh, that would be a really cool theme for a game. And that was just happened to be the game I was working on. So I was really tried hard to fit that square peg into a round hole, but, but I realized it wasn't. So yeah. So I, I ended up uh, at Animal Kingdoms. Just It really just, it fit much more naturally of you're, you're going after kingdoms because it is, after all, an area control game. And to me, just making them animals, just to me, it was more fun. It was more unique. It was more colorful. And it was just like, it was one step away from the endless sea of medieval games. Right. So um, 
So that's that's kind of where why it landed uh, on Animal Kingdom. Yeah. And I like the name. You know, it just it just felt felt right. Yeah, absolutely. So. And it got picked up by a publisher. So obviously it was a good choice <laughs> in changing uh, that over. All right. You mentioned that you had multiple design challenges. So tell me about some of the other issues you ran into. Well, I mean, every time you change a theme, you end up tweaking mechanics too, because you're, you're sort of trying to wedge, wedge the theme in more. Um, but, um, so, you know, just the design process of that. Um, and then I think also just having that challenge of fit, getting it to, to feel like it was in a completed state, um, in time for the cardboard Edison award, uh, deadline. So I was working, you know, frantically trying to like, get the rules together and, and try to, you know, hope that the gameplay was solid enough to send it in and stuff. So, um, so I mean, I, when I submitted the game to cardboard Edison awards, it was strictly a card game. Um, and what galactic Raptor has done is they've turned it into a board game with, you know, five territories that, you know, all have thematic, um, artwork on them and, and they've made it less, uh, they've helped me make it less abstract and more, um, I, I guess, more just like relevant to uh, what you're trying to do as opposed to like really just, like I said, just kind of abstract, not not having any sort of tie in or feeling like you're commanding these animals in these kingdoms. So, so uh, yeah, I think just the art, having find it, found a publisher and then having that publisher help develop it to, to give it just a little bit more of um, thematic tie-in and um, and obviously um, getting the artwork um, to associate with the gameplay was was really helpful. Yeah, for sure. And it's one of the best looking games I've seen in a while. I mean, I don't I don't know who did the art, but they did an absolutely amazing job. Do you do you know the name? You want to plug them real quick? Yeah, it was Katie Grierson, um, who I've not. Um, worked before i i'm not actually not familiar with what other i think she has worked on a few other games but i'm not uh sure what they were but uh but dan and carla um found found her and i'm so glad that they did um so the the style that she went with is is art nouveau uh, which was really unexpected i had no idea what their you know direction they were going to go in and i think they just kind of gave her free reign to like give a recommendation. So she did some test art for them and that was the direction they ended up going. And, um, I, it's really cool because, uh, uh, you know, it sort of has this emotional reaction where it does make it almost instantly feel more like a classic, yeah. classic card game, you know, um, which I think it, it, even though it's an area control game at its heart, I think the sort of the brain of the game is, is the card management, which, for me, you know, the hand management that is that harkens back to more classic games, you know, that I like, you know, like, like Colorado is a good example, you know, um, where, you know, you're just, you're, you've got your hand of cards and you've got to, you've got to play, play better than your opponent with, with what you, what you draw. Yeah, for sure. And well, Katie, in that case, you did an amazing job in the art. If you're listening to this, phenomenal. And to be expected from Carla Cop, Carla, one of my favorite people in the industry. Of course, the game looks amazing because she's at the helm and helping you put all this stuff together. And so, yeah, I'm just excited for uh, both you and and her and then Galactic Raptor, this, where the company is headed. I think you guys are going in a great direction. But let's go back into the design of, of, design of the game. 
Was there anything that you were working on that you had to cut out? Like maybe different ways that the the cards worked? Like, did you have some things that maybe were a little too complex or anything like that? Uh, early on, there was actually a, uh, well, this was when it was deep sea fishing still, <laughs> but there was actually a, um, there was a market uh, value to it. So uh, depending on what fish you caught, um, they, that would af- affect uh, a market. So you would, you would, you would essentially the the territories were were seas. So you would fish in these seas until the seas were fished out. Then you'd go back into town, and you would sell the fish that you had acquired uh, based on their market value. Um, so that was in the original game, and I stripped that out when I rethemed it. Um, not just because I had changed themes, but I just it it was a mechanic mechanic that didn't feel necessary and didn't really fit the weight of the game that I wanted it to be because I wanted it to just be again you know going back to my style of games the style of game that I like which I wanted it to be able to be taught you know set up taught and played in under an hour and it was just starting to bog it down and get too complicated yeah gotcha all right well tell me about playtesting were there any uh, issues that came out during the playtesting where you're like wow I never I never thought about that or anything like that that you had to change the game Oh yeah, I mean every as you as you know, <laughs> whenever you bring a uh, a game to a playtest, especially early on, you know it's it's just you're going to get a ton of feedback and you're going to have to explore a lot of different things. So early on, it 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 didn't actually early on it didn't even have the the decrees. It didn't have. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's been so long, you know, it's been two years that I've been kind of working on it. Um, well, about a year and a half that I've been working on it. But um, instead of decrees, you you could basically only go to the seas because uh, you only had that that value to go to. And it was just, you know, it's just boring, to be honest. And so, um, so yeah, that was, that was just a, a, a tricky thing. <laughs> I don't know if that answered the question. Yeah, a little bit. Well, like, what did you find in the play? Well, you said it was boring. Did the playtesters just look at you at the end of a game and go, that wasn't very fun? <laughs> like, how did, how could you tell that the game was boring? Because I feel like that's a, that's a skill that's kind of hard to develop. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people who create great games, but because of the way their brains are thinking, I don't know, I'm, I'm this way. Whenever I'm playtesting, it's very hard for me to turn off my design brain. And I'm like, and so the game might not be fun at all to me, even though it's fun to other people, because I'm not there to have a good time. I'm there to make the game better. And so, like, how did you know that the game was boring or wasn't right? Wasn't where you wanted it to be? Yeah. You know, uh, early on, I've got um, sort of my regular local play testers. So, you know, early on, I, I'm sure like most, most play testers, you're going to go to sort of your, your trusted sources or people that you feel, um, you know, that are going to give you good feedback and that you feel comfortable bringing a half-baked game to so yeah so early on it was just you know was it was just getting not the kind of reaction that I wanted and and there was some you know good good criticism good criticism and good ideas and you know then you just kind of go back to the drawing board or sometimes you scrap a game you know entirely if you're just like oh this is just not what I want but with this one I I still really liked the I was still really kind of fixated on you know, I really want to make this area control game work, but I don't want it to be a mean spirited one where you're kicking people out. I just want it to be more about, um, getting, um, getting the, 
uh, more more cubes on there and, and just kind of that feeling of of being clever. So you know, I retooled it and brought it out and and you know, it's just a lot of it's just positive reinforcement from the playtest groups. And then um, you know, once I once I added the element of the decrees, that's when it really started feeling good. And after that, that was kind of the major the major sort of shift and then it became more just about balancing. Yeah. Gotcha. Now what was your process of balancing the different, uh, I don't know. Tell me, well, first of all, what did you have to balance? And then tell me about how you did it. Um, so the biggest thing was, was the decrees. So like, um, some of the decrees, there are decrees that are based on being able to play certain animals. So, uh, there are eight animals in the game. So, some of the decrees uh, allow you to only play two of two of those eight animals. Others allow you to play four of those eight animals. Some allow you to only play even numbers, odd numbers, high to low. Um, you have to play um, uh, animals or numbers that have uh, are not present on any other kingdom, um, or ones that are present on any other kingdom. Um, so there's this like wide range of them. And basically I just started off with the most basic ones and then I just started expanding it and working on ones. And some of them were just kind of fiddly or, or wonky, you know, they just weren't, weren't working well. Um, and where I kind of landed after, and it's really just the balancing is just testing, play test it. I do a lot of, I do a lot of self-testing, um, to, to work out a lot of those kinks and then, I'll, you know, once I get it past the stage, then I'll get it in front of play testers and then, um, you know, go back and forth and back and forth. And where I kind of landed with the decrees is there's kind of an even split now and they're broken into sort of four categories. Um, uh, about 25% of the cards are just, they, they, they're, they're not, uh, conditional, I guess I should say. So for example, um, that might be, uh, you can just play a one, two or three value there. So it, it has no, what's going on in the other kingdoms, there's no effect on that. Um, and then about 25% of them are conditional to that kingdom. So that might be, uh, you have to play all different beasts. So once I've played a tiger to that kingdom, I can no longer play a tiger there. So those are affecting only that kingdom, but they all, they're conditional. And then about 25% are um, conditional based on what is happening in the kingdom to your left and the kingdom to your right, because it's a circular board. It's actually a pentagon of a board, five-sided board. Um, and then about, and then the last 25% are based on what's happening in all five kingdoms. So those, those sets of rules and really, yeah, it was just like lots of testing. And that's what kind of felt like ended up feeling like a good challenge of this is challenging enough that I don't have free reign of where I can go, but it's, it's not so challenging or crippling that I don't feel like I have options. Yeah. I feel like it gives the game some really interesting structure by giving it those restrictions and also makes the game more approachable. I mean, there's so many games out there that don't have a ton of structure. And and I guess from the designer standpoint, they're thinking, well, I want players to be able to do whatever they want. Well, that's, that's not super approachable if you've never played the game. Like you don't know like, well, what scores the most points? What is the best strategy? What's the best tactic right now? And if you don't have that, uh, those restrictions or that structure on the game, you, you could sit there and just like get, you know, the whole analysis paralysis thing. And so was, was, 
your mentality in, in creating that structure, creating those restrictions, just trying to make the game more approachable or like, or did you just kind of do it because it felt good? Like walk me through that process. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it just, I don't think this, this isn't a sandbox game, you know, it's just not that type yeah. of game. And I think that, uh, uh, yeah, I just kind of went with my gut with what, what felt right to me and what was the kind of game type of game that I would want to play. Yeah. And even going back what we we're talking about with El Grande, El Grande does a very similar thing and you, you bid for the action card that you want to take. And so your actions are restricted based on whatever action cards come out for that round. And so this is a tried and true mechanism and it's a, it's a great way to increase the the interesting decisions that you have to make during a game. Cause you can't do everything. You can only do these certain things. And so how are you going to do that better than your opponent? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, some of those bigger games ha- do have definitely a more sandbox feel like Scythe to me is a really great example because it, it has these area control elements but it also, one of the coolest things about Scythe to me is that you only have to meet certain wind conditions and it gives you a wide range of wind conditions. Yeah. So if you want to, you don't have to battle or be military focused at all. You know, you can just, you can just do what, do, do other things. You can, uh, you can build stuff. You can be a builder. You can, you be a harvester of things. And so that is the type of game where having that open sort of almost sandbox feel of I'm going to, I'm going to go for these conditions this time. And, um, you know, those types of games are great as well. Um, but yeah, just, just a different experience. Yeah. And it's a different size rule book, you know, it's the difference between a a four or five page rule book and a 24 or 25 page rule book. And so it just kind of depends on what, what type of game you want to make. Well, Steven, man, this has been awesome. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts or closing advice for somebody working on an area control game right now? No, like you said, I think um, uh, I, I'm pretty new to the gaming community, really. I mean, I've only been doing it about five years, and every time I play a game, I, I to me, I, I feel like I get new ideas, and I learn more about the hobby, and it just sort of opens my brain a little bit more in terms of, like, what's possible, and, and I, you know, it, uh, playing games is inspiration, so, I mean, that, to me, is the biggest thing. The more games you play... Uh, and if if you're really interested in area control games, then I would say grab all the area control games. And I think you have a good point too. Um, of you know, a game like El Grande is like I think everyone's really focused on sort of the cult of the new. And um, you know, like some of my like one of my favorite, uh, I guess you'd call it an area control game uh, is um, a, an older game called Samurai. Yeah, that one had really interesting scoring elements at the end, right? Where if if you really dominated, yeah. you just won. But if you didn't, then you had to kind of this really interesting breakdown of how the scoring works. Am I remember? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, it, it's um, yeah, the, it's it's got a very interesting and and don't even quote me on how to do it because I haven't played it for for a while. But it is like a really interesting scoring. But to me, the area control aspect of that was really interesting because. Um, you're, you're basically trying to surround these, these, uh, these different, uh, types of, uh, influence markers. And, but, um, but that's like an older game. And, and I think if someone hadn't introduced me to it, I I don't think I ever would have known about it. Um, but yeah, I think just playing older, older games and newer games, um, in, in the, 
genre or mechanism that you are feeling is is nothing but good is going to come from it. Yeah, I completely agree. We are standing on the shoulders of giants, and it's important to realize that <laughs> and to go back and figure out what some of those giants are. Uh, I think I think Samurai is a Reiner Knizia game, and so I mean anything that he's yeah. designed, you like probably just need to find it and play it and just see how it works because he has influenced the gaming industry in, in so many ways. And you know, El Grande, all these old school games. Like, there's a reason that we're still talking about them now. And so, yeah, I definitely recommend people go out there and, and find them as well. Or at least, like I said, go get on YouTube and watch some playthroughs and at least like figure out how these games work as best you can. Well, Stephen, we've been talking about it this whole time, but give me like the, the two-minute elevator pitch for Animal Kingdoms on Kickstarter right now. Sure. Um, so Animal Kingdoms is a new game on uh, Kickstarter. It plays for uh, one to five players and plays in uh, under an hour and uh takes about five maybe ten minutes to teach and uh basically you have your hand of animal cards and each of those has a suit and a uh, value and you are trying to play those to the various kingdoms um based on the decree or placement rule and uh based on how well you do in each kingdom you're going to earn points those points are variable. The decrees are variable. And uh, there are some other aspects that carry over from round to round to give you a little bit of long-term strategy. Uh, so each round feels a little bit different and ramps up a little more intention. So that's Animal Kingdoms. Awesome. Well, I hope it does really, really well on Kickstarter. Stephen, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for your wisdom and uh, your insight on all this. Good luck with Animal Kingdoms and good luck with everything else you got going on right now. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?